Hello and thank you for tuning into the Everything Must Go podcast. I'm Steven alongside here with Brandon. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the recent settlement between the NFL and Junior Seau's family. On October 5th, uh, according to CBS News, the family of former NFL linebacker Junior Seau, for those of you who are not aware who Junior Seau is, um, has settled with the NFL in a wrongful death lawsuit. Uh, the NFL was actually facing a separate class action lawsuit that covered over 20,000 retired players, and it was called the NFL Concussion Settlement. Uh, this is a pretty well-known issue with the NFL, um, the, the idea of concussions and head traumas uh, being a pretty severe impact of this violent sport, and a lot of... Um, lawsuits are going through. Uh, specifically, Junior Seau's family had the opportunity to be a part of that class action lawsuit, but they chose to stay out of it and do their own lawsuit specifically on wrongful death. Um, and I'm just kind of wondering your thoughts on lawsuits like these. Like, Do you think it's an appropriate repercussion for like such a violent game? Do you think the NFL has blame for this? See, I obviously, <clears throat> I obviously think that the NFL has blame for this because they're mm. allowing the players to participate mm. in a sport that is clearly mm. not healthy for people. Like, this is clearly, there's been enough evidence at this point that this is not a sport that is good in the long term for any human. But at the same time, these players signed up for it and there has to be a, a certain level of understanding when you sign up for a sport and you start playing it and you sign these NFL contracts, you know that there's the potential for this type of thing to happen. And as bad as it is to say, the day that you put on a helmet for the first time, like with anything in life, there are potential consequences. Yeah, I mean... It's tough for the NFL to to hold the the majority of the the blame here. I I think a big part of this whole issue with the NFL really comes from their apparent desire to kind of keep this hidden from public knowledge. And that right there is, you know, they're they have a product that they're trying to sell and they don't want to diminish the product. And obviously since all of this, uh, this health issue, all these health issues have come forward with head traumas. It has impacted the NFL in a negative light. And I think that they're, you know, if you want to look at the NFL strictly as a business, they're trying to do their best to keep their product selling. Well, uh, that doesn't necessarily make what they're doing right, but, uh, you can kind of understand where they're coming from. And I do think there absolutely is a, a point where, you know, the NFL isn't isn't uh, responsible for people choosing to play football and choosing to want to go professional in, in football. Um, and we'll talk about this a little more later because there's actually a specific quote from Junior Seau that I think uh, really pertains to this. But at the same time, uh, I think you need things like this to push, you know, these huge uh, industries like the NFL to, to to make change. You know, a couple people speaking up about it doesn't always get the job done because they their voices are squashed and and uh, you don't see a lot of 
you know, change to the big dogs because the big dogs can do whatever they want. So it sometimes it takes these extreme actions to kind of inspire the change that we've started to see in the NFL. Um, and I think not even just the NFL itself, but uh, the players themselves. You know, you see players playing a lot shorter careers in a lot of cases because they understand the consequences a little more. And that also comes into play with the NFL needs to make, um, you know, it known what what the risks are uh, and not try to hold that back so that, you know, people who are making the decision have all of the understanding of, of what risks they're signing up for. So, you know, I specific lawsuits like these are, are tough because, you know, there, there should be some accountability in both parties. But again, like I said, lawsuits like these are probably the way that we get change to happen. So, yeah. And I think this topic is interesting because, you know, you played football and it was one of the few sports that i never even like never tried other than pick up football in the front yard. I think that your perspective on like for me personally, I wouldn't even have thought to, to play football because of a a lot of reasons, but I always thought that that toll that that sport has to take on your body. I always just think to myself, if I had to play any professional sport, football is pretty low on that list because of knowing that it can take, years off of your life, I would much rather be like a professional bowler or a golfer or something. <laughs> well, the interesting thing too is, so when I played football, I was quarterback. So I didn't deal with as much of a risk for like head trauma and stuff. Cause I mean, in practice, you're not even allowed to touch the quarterback. So there were a lot of hits that I was able to avoid in my everyday participation of the sport. But Junior Seau, for for people that aren't familiar with how football works, he was a linebacker. A linebacker is on defense, and a defensive player's job is literally to hit people. Your job is to tackle people and kind of, you know, put put punishment on the opposing team so that you know you have a better chance of defending the end zone. And Junior Seau was looked at as one of the you know best of all time at his position and he was a very violent linebacker and so those kind of it's like how do you encourage players like that because players like that are the best at what they do but they're also the players that stand for the most risk because it's not just so we'll get into what exactly where this you know lawsuit came from but Essentially, it came from CTE, um, and CTE isn't just caused by concussions specifically. It's all, it's caused by any sort of head trauma, um, inconsistent head trauma, and so you know, just whipping your head as you're tackling a guy and your head hitting the ground, even if you don't get concussed, it's still this violent action going against your head and and your brain. And, um, and even the, the equipment that they had back in, in the time that Junior Seau was a professional wasn't designed as specifically to prevent stuff like that. So it's, it's a growing industry and a learning industry. Um, and so it's, it's just a tough thing to, to have predicted because, I mean, way back in the day, they didn't even like wear helmets. 
when they played this game, which is... <laughs> well, same thing with it in baseball. In baseball, they didn't wear helmets. They, in fact, they didn't even use gloves back in the day in baseball either, which to me is just like, okay. Hey, how, did you, how did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's it's funny that you bring up another sport because I always think about like... Yeah. So doing research on this CTE specifically, uh, another sport they talk a lot about it is in boxing. Like it didn't really become a prevalent thing in the NFL until like 2005. And it was a little more really brain injuries altogether became were more uh, well known within the sport of boxing. Um, but I don't, at least it's not publicized as much, but I don't really see boxing having these same you know, lawsuits or because like you said, they they kind of are signing up for that violence. So it's like, how do you, how do you try to punish the sport that you signed up for because of what happened? And it, I don't know, it's just, it's kind of a weird area of how do you make that decision? Well, in in general, do you think that the NFL is transparent about the concussions and all the repercussions of playing their sport? Now, I haven't really done 100% research on this, but mm-hmm. from my understanding, they were not very transparent with it when they were um, first given the information or when it first started sprouting up. They, they, in fact, from my understanding, they tried to hinder this knowledge sprouting up, which is, I think, where the problem lies, is they, to protect their product, they made an effort to keep this stuff under wraps yeah and that that to me is the the way that i've seen things up to this point is that the nfl seems to be that sport that's very hush hush about Mm -hmm. anything that they worry can can screw up their product and right if that's really truly the case no matter what type of research is out there and we all know like humans knew that smoking was not good for them like there's no way you could tell me that that in the what the fifties and forties and stuff, when people were smoking cigarettes, you can't tell me that it never crossed their mind. Oh, I wonder if it actually is bad to inhale smoke. Yeah, like people probably knew it, but they kind of just it didn't get as brought to the light of day. And I mm-hmm. kind of feel like this is something that maybe is happening with the NFL right now as we speak, where everyone had kind of realized that the concussion issues and the head trauma could have been an issue. But now as the NFL has become an older sport in this country, because it is a relatively new sport. It doesn't have quite the longevity of a sport like baseball in the United States. I wonder if that's sort of what's been happening here. And then now doctors and stuff are are standing up and being like, hey, someone having all these concussions, because I know for a fact having like multiple concussions has a negative effect on you for the rest of your life like you can't deal with too many concussions right and i wonder if that's where this is going your comparison to smoking i think is a is a really valid one where it wasn't just like like people had a general knowledge that probably hey this inhaling smoke probably isn't too good for me but i think where the problem came in was when the the uh cigarette industry was started to receive this knowledge about what smoking does to you what do you think their inclination was to do it was to either deny that knowledge or you know just say that it's not as bad as people are saying and and that was it wasn't in the 
the spirit of protecting people or, you know, like helping people out. It was in the spirit of their business. They had a product they were trying to sell and they didn't want to lose their market. And so that and then you started seeing lawsuits against cigarette companies. And now cigarette companies has to have warnings on their labels of, hey, this is a product that could impact your health. And so that I think that's a, a comparable parallel with the NFL is NFL is took the role like these cigarette companies are trying to protect their product and not letting the word get out that, hey, this product that we have actually could not only damage you while you're playing the game, but could have severe impact on your life after the game. We don't want people to know that because we don't want people to avoid coming to our product and spending money. Yeah, which is why I do think that the NFL is partially to blame for this. I mean, he is partially to blame for this because he did know that there was a good chance that this was very detrimental to his health. But at the same time, it's not like the NFL was doing a great job at like, I like, and, and maybe it has changed as more of this information has come out, but I don't imagine the NFL is consistently having trainings or like doctors coming in and saying, guys, here are the, here's what's happening in your body right now. Every time you get into the NFL game and that most of you, by the time you're 50 years old, will be practically brain dead. Like I highly doubt that that's, a regular thing for these players because they almost need like a surgeon general's warning when they enter the NFL, like may take 25 years off your life expectancy. Right. Cause as bad as that sounds, it's not that crazy to think that's, that's how severe this could be. And where I give junior sale leniency is like the NFL, the NFL kind of, it's a trickle down effect. You know, what the NFL does will trickle down to college sports, and what college sports does will trickle down to high school sports. High school sports will trickle down to youth sports. Yeah. And so the NFL has to set the tone. And if the NFL is keeping this stuff secret, what you're doing is you're building a culture where this stuff isn't known. So when Junior Seau was raised in the game of football, like, he knew the game was violent, but no way could he have known specifically the impact that it would take on his brain and how this deteriorating effect of his brain would impact his decision makings, his decision making process and his behavior and all of this other stuff. Keeping that hush hush, you know, now that we're getting the word out, it can change the culture in college sports. It can change the culture in high school sports and then youth sports where now it's like, you know, do parents even want their kids playing in, in a violent sport this young with the possible detrimental effects. And if the NFL hides it, you know, I mean, we can see in so many other things how uneducated and ignorant people can be. And so it like takes someone to shake people and wake them up to say, Hey, maybe we should pay attention to to what's going on here. And that's, I think that's a responsibility of the NFL has to kind of take on. I agree with that. It's going to take the NFL to make those first steps into motion because as you said, that's where it all starts. Yeah. So a, a little more context on this this whole thing. Um, so Junior Sale was is a Hall of Fame linebacker. Uh, so the best of the best. Um, 12 Pro Bowls, just revered and respected as a player on the field. But he was also very respected off the field as well. Like you talk to his family members, his teammates, 
you know, and, and we talked about this a little bit with Bill Cosby where, you know, you're like, yeah, he was revered and respected, but how does that, you know, translate to what he's like in real life? But you had these people that were part of his actual real life who said that this guy was a one in a million guy. This this guy was something else. He had this life about him, this, this vigor and, and just was just so energetic and positive and just was such a great person. And so in 2012, Junior Seau killed himself. He shot himself in the chest and, and, and died. And to the people around him who like grew up with him, like his, his, his kids and his, uh, well, he had an ex-wife, you know, these people that really knew him, his mother, you know, and family members, best friends, they were just like, what the heck? This is so out of left field. This guy committed suicide. This guy was like so full of life. How, how could this be possible? Um, but honestly, this wasn't even the, the, the first thing in, in a list of behaviors that was just uncharacteristic. So in uh, 2010, he had a, a, a verbal argument with his girlfriend at the time. And this was after he had retired. He retired in 2009. In 2010, he got in a verbal argument with his girlfriend. And then I don't know exactly what he did, but uh, there was some domestic abuse that went on. Um, not so bad that she had to be hospitalized, but he did bang her up a little bit and he, he took off after he did it. She was home alone, called the cops, the cops came. And then while he was out driving, he called home and the cops were still there. He came home, they arrested him. And number one, this domestic abuse charge was out of character. He had never had anything like this happen. And just now as a, a 41-year-old man, his first time ever doing something like this, which isn't out of the question, but still kind of like, you know, where is this coming from? Especially if you ask the people that were around him. And then after he went to jail for it, he posted bail. And on his way home from jail, he just drew off the side of a cliff, like a 20-foot cliff. He didn't, I don't think, sustain. he didn't sustain any injuries but uh, his car was obviously severely damaged. And you just saw this like chain of events happening where this guy, there was something going on with this guy's behavior and his, his functionality. And then in, in the time after that, he had started accruing like massive amounts of gambling debt. Uh, I read it was like $1.4 million between a couple casinos and, in mid-December of 2010, actually, he lost close to a million dollars in just 90 minutes. 90 minutes of high-stakes um, blackjack. That's insane. Oh yeah, yeah. We got some. Um, we got some definite, definite uh, gamblers in my family, and uh, none of them have ever lost a million dollars in 90 minutes. That's yeah, bad. it is horrible, and. All of this debt actually started impacting other things in his life. Like he was trying to, he was trying to live outside of football. Now that football was done, and uh, you know he had the Junior Seau Foundation that he started in 1992 that was now suffering because, you know, his money was depleted and he wasn't able to support it as much, and just other business ventures that he was trying to take they just weren't taking off because just something was wrong with this guy. And uh, so because of this understanding of the people that loved him, 
had that this 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 was something odd like something was off with you know this guy that they all loved they let the national institute of health in washington take uh junior seau's brain um to do some research on it and they found patterns of cte on his brain now cte is a degenerative brain disease where this particular protein forms clumps that spread throughout the brain and then it eventually kills brain cells um, and again, it's not just concussions that cause these. This is this can just be any kind of head trauma whatsoever. And being a linebacker in the NFL, one of the best at what he does, he sustained many head traumas through just hits of all nature. And I guess the next question I want to ask you is, does this knowledge of like what this violent sport are i mean it already was violent but now what it can do and impact does it does it change your view on the nfl would it like change your willingness to let even your kids play a sport if they really wanted to yeah i've been pretty pretty open to saying that if and when i have kids i will not push them to play football it's it's probably the very very bottom of the list of sports that being the case, I also I, I was reading a little bit on CTE, and I mean this is found in hockey players, rugby players, because it's really any any sport that head trauma occurs in, and I think that I am going to look into this more and more when that time comes. That if I have a kid that wants to play a sport, and I probably will push them against some of those sports that do have some of these head trauma issues because. As great as a sport is for a child's development and the camaraderie and like the benefits to it, not every sport has these issues. Like there's plenty of good sports out there that don't result in like all the the violence and the head hits. Like I just I I'm I'm very much against it. And I I guess the sport on the list that I played was I wrestled and there are times where you do get your head smashed in pretty good and you don't feel too good from uh from wrestling and I undoubtedly can see that this could be problematic. So I think for me, I can't say I would a hundred percent not let my kids play these sports, but I would have a very, very tough time. And I think I'm pretty, pretty set on not letting them play football. Yeah. This is a tough one for me because I played football growing up and it was, I loved it. Like I loved football. It was, it rivaled baseball for me and like my passion for it because there, there was so much emotion in the game. Um, I loved being a quarterback and, you know, just the feeling of throwing a touchdown pass and, and, and building a team that, you know, you, you'd win a game that you weren't expected to win. And I mean, you can get that in other sports, but there was just something about football that, that felt so just naturally awesome (laughs) to me. And so thinking about like, if I have kids, I almost feel like as a parent, I have the responsibility to protect their livelihood. And as much as I enjoyed football myself, I feel like the right thing to do would be to discourage, you know, my kids from taking these risks. Um, I guess maybe the alternative is to, you know, not let them play when they're super young, maybe have them play flag football. Cause there's not, you know, it's not violent or you're just 
it's it's an alternative to the game maybe they can still pick up the skill set that you need to be a football player without having to deal with the violence um but i don't know it's it's tough because i experienced uh you know a lot of wonderful memories within this game um but i i almost feel like maybe that's an ignorant argument even it's just like as if you know they can't experience similar memories or even better memories in other sports they, they absolutely could um so yeah i feel like this knowledge definitely impacts my willingness to to allow you know kids to my kids specifically to to pursue any sort of recreation in this sport i i almost wonder if like we're gonna like hundreds of years down the road we're gonna look at the nfl like we look at gladiators in the coliseum you know where like gladiators were the form of entertainment and it was this huge like violent thing and it was used for you know slaves who didn't really have a quality of life anyways and so people were all <laughs> all down with it and then it was like wait a second this is kind of inhumane we shouldn't have something with this much violence i wonder if the nfl is going to have something similar as we progress as a society uh well <laughs> that was going to be one of my questions is what do you see the nfl landscape looking like in 25 years well I think the NFL and I hope they change this, but again, they're a business. I feel like the NFL has been reactive rather than proactive on a lot of this stuff. And so now they're starting to take the steps to really protect players. Uh, Like you even see the rule changes um, prevent certain kinds of hits and, and late hits and different stuff to protect offensive players and, and uh, discourage things that are just a little too violent in the game. But it's still a violent game, even with those rule changes. And sometimes things just happen bang, bang. It's like a bang, bang play, as they would call it. And so you can't really prevent that stuff all the time. And so, I don't know. I mean, people talk about the NFL losing its popularity, but I don't know that it's it's doing it to a level where it's not going to be able to be successful. And the NFL is also like run by a lot of people who I think know what they're doing in a lot of cases. So they'll find a way to keep it popular. Um, that's tough to say. I, I don't think I'm the person to ask. I don't think I have the knowledge to understand where it could be. I, I think it'll still be around. I think that they'll continue trying to make rules to protect players and uh, it'll still be still be prevalent in society. Okay, well, let me, let me play devil's advocate a little bit on this because, okay, you say in 25 years the NFL is still going to be around. So you also say that they're going to have to make new rules because you got to protect the players and yada, yada. When does the amount of rules that you have to change – start taking away from the product on the field? Well, it's already happened. Um, This year in particular, uh, you know, I'm from Minnesota, so a big game every year is the the Minnesota Vikings versus the Green Bay Packers. It's like a huge rivalry. We call it the border battle because Green Bay is obviously in Wisconsin and the Vikings are in Minnesota. 
So there's there's this huge rivalry, and in one of the games, a player, a linebacker on the Green Bay Packers, Clay Matthews, uh, apparently tackled the quarterback, Kirk Cousins, fine, but he got called for roughing the passer because of the way he like picked him up and tackled him. And this this play, if they hadn't thrown that penalty flag, it would have been an interception. The game would have been over. But because they threw the flag, the Vikings went down and scored a touchdown and tied the game. So it was uh, it was a not only a penalty that took away from like the I guess the original intention of football, which is kind of to be violent and aggressive and physical and also impacted the outcome of the game. Um, but I just think, I think if we're talking 25 years, I don't know that that's enough time to, for these, these rule changes, maybe, maybe 50 years, you'll see too big of a detriment for this to be, I don't know. I I just feel like, you know, these leagues and stuff, they're, they're our form of entertainment. And so they're going to do what they can to adapt to what the market needs. And so they're, they're going to learn how the rules will work and how the rules won't. And I think that NFL does have such a huge following that it's going to take a lot longer for people to, um, to back off. Well, I know this is, this is, I guess, slightly off of what the topic that we're discussing is here, but I'm kind of curious based on what's going on with the NFL, because I think most people would agree that the NFL is the most popular of um, professional sports in the United States in, let's say, let's say 50 years. Who do you think has that throne? Um, I would, I would argue maybe the NBA because the NBA even the way that the NBA is structured, it's it's built more on stars rather than teams, and so you get these idolizing or these 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 professional athletes that are idolized and pedestalized in the NBA that you don't really get as much in the NFL, and I think that's kind of how our society is developing, um, just in general with the incorporation of social media. Like everybody has a brand. And with the NFL being structured more team-based, the brands of the players aren't as, like, all-encompassing. Whereas, like, you see NBA players growing on to be extremely successful, like, entrepreneurs and businessmen after they're out of the league because the NBA allows for the players to really run the league. And the NBA isn't as violent. Um that's how I would see things going. I I think right now you could make the argument that it's NFL, then NBA, then probably NHL and MLB in that order. Um, in America. Interesting. Interesting. See, mine would be, if you ask me, I guess like, yeah, that's interesting that you put NHL and MLB like in a similar category, because to me, it's definitely, there's like three and then there's a significant drop off to me, which is, I think based on just like Ohio is not a big hockey place. So maybe I just don't have the exposure. Cause here in Chicago, hockey is massive. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's different here, but I, I can agree with the NBA 
being the number one and the NFL falling out. I think that's that's pretty fair. I was just kind of curious. So I just looked it up, and it actually it looks like regular season MLB games have higher TV ratings than NHL Game 7s, according to Forbes magazine. So MLB is above NHL. Okay. Um, so then it would be NFL, NBA, MLB, and then NHL. And I, again, I think if we're talking about the NFL and the direction that it's going in with it being so violent and us trying to get away from that violence. I think the NBA is the perfect sport to kind of take yeah. that throne. Yeah. It, it honestly is. Basketball is just a really good sport to take all. And I, I know this isn't necessarily in alignment with what the, what we're talking about here today, but I think it, it paints the bigger picture on the severity of these, of the NFL brand and what it's going through right now. And just seeing that the future considering I'm assuming on that list, like NFL is pretty obviously the number one. Uh, let me take a look. Cause that's what I would think. Yeah, I think it is. Um, cause even the NBA, like a lot of times regular season game, like the, the big thing against the NBA is that they think that players, like don't try during the regular season. And I, I agree with that. I think that the, the NBA regular season has turned kind of into a joke to be honest with you. Yeah. And so let's see. So the NFL right now is valued at $25 billion. Yeah. And Oh, it doesn't tell me. I would much rather own the NBA than the NFL right now. No questions asked. Yeah. It, and that's, but this is the thing, like now you can kind of not to sympathize with the NFL, but you can kind of see why they wanted to keep this stuff under wraps because it has a very severe impact on the popularity of the sport. And, but what, what I'm thinking is because they're so reactive to it, I feel like it's a bigger detriment than if they would have been like, Hey guys, we found out that this stuff does a lot of damage mentally to players and if they were like ahead of the game and like you know before all this stuff started coming out about the traumas and they had to react to it if they would have been the people that that brought it forward i think you would have seen a lot less of a detriment to their reputation um and so i think that they fucked that up because eventually it was going to come out and i don't i just don't think whoever you know the owners of the nfl were they i think they messed up on that they thought it was the right business move because they thought maybe they could keep it under wraps forever. But uh, I don't know why they would think that. Like to me, once again, yeah. it's like the cigarette thing. It just seems pretty obvious yeah. that this sport is not good for you. Well, the last point I want to talk about, and we kind of touched on this. Um, so, well, first off, for people wondering about the case, the the family of Junior Seau again, did not want to participate in the class action lawsuit where over 20,000 retired NFL players received a settlement from the NFL. They wanted to sue the NFL separately for wrongful death. And a big reason why they did this was because, you know, like they were so clearly impacted by this person who was like one way for his entire life. And then after he retired was so drastically 
he like changed so drastically because of these injuries. Like I watched this, this heartbreaking documentary, this piece on him where his family, um, his, his daughter and his, one of his sons, um, was talking about how they didn't understand what was happening to him because he would like for a while be part of their lives and like be around and support them. And then all of a sudden he would just disappear for two months and not talk to them at all. And this was a like a loving father, a loving person. And so they felt this this pain so I mean, anybody's gonna feel the pain for losing their father, but they felt it in a in a way that they felt was kind of out of their hands. Like this wasn't actually him. It was from these injuries that he sustained that he wasn't prepared for almost. So they won that well, they didn't win it actually. It was it was settled. Um, with the NFL, and I don't know the numbers on on what the settlement was. I don't. CBS News is kind of where I got that stuff from, and it didn't give the specific amounts. But uh, there was a Junior Seau quote that I thought I wanted to. I really wanted to bring up because it kind of touches on what we talked about later or earlier about the accountability of the players. Junior Seau said specifically, "You have to sacrifice your body." You have to sacrifice years down the line when we are 50, 40 years old. We probably won't be able to walk. That's the sacrifice you take to play this game. So that's specifically from Junior Seau saying, I understand the toll that this is going to take on my body, and I'm willing to take that sacrifice to play this game that I love. So I guess directly, do you think the players – should hold more responsibility than they really are knowing that the game is this violent. And do you think this takes a little bit of the responsibility off of the NFL? I think it's pretty crazy that he actually said that just to, especially knowing the outcome of his life, right. but that all along, I mean, it, it's just like further proof of that these players know what's going on. These guys know when they sign those NFL contracts and we put on the helmet and go out there, they know that the consequences are there. And if you think about it, it is it like it, it poses the kind of that lifelong question of uh, that rock star lifestyle where there's people who say they would rather just like not worry about when they die and just it's quality of life over quantity of life. And I understand that to a certain point. I mean, would you rather have 40 incredible years or 80 average years? And it, the, the argument is there. And if he truly believed that it was worth it to him to have this incredible 40 years, a little over 40 years of life, then you got to understand that that's something that he chose. And that's, you, you can't, you can't be too upset for someone who, who knew that like going into it and a lot of rock stars, same thing. Like they know if they're if you're drinking and doing drugs all the time, like there's a lot of consequences out there, and you're you're aware of it, but you'd rather live in the moments. Yeah, it's tough though. <laughs> it, it is tough, and I think it's the reason it, it is tough to to let let off of the NFL a little bit is because of the specificity in what this injury does. Like it's one thing to like give up your body. And like me, like understand that your body is going to be impacted from this game. I mean, that seems obvious, but, and maybe like the mental 
impact should seem obvious as well. But this idea of CTE didn't really arise till 2005, like this degenerative brain disease where literally your mental capacity is now impacted to a point where you start being a completely different person because of this violent sport that you played. And I don't know if we can say, you know, Junior Seau signed up for that, you know, even didn't, even with his quote, you know, he's talking about his body, not his mind. And I think that's where the distinction comes in is the, the idea was that, you know, a lot of these players just thought that that's what they were giving up was their body. And they didn't understand the repercussions on their actual brain functionality. And so that's where I give players a little leeway, but you still, I don't, I don't remember the player's name specifically in the NFL now, but there have been a couple of players that have come out and said, yeah, but this is what we sign up for. They've said that about the whole brain stuff. And, uh, at that point, then it's like, well, if you're going to say that, <laughs> you know, you're, you're admitting to, you know, understanding the repercussions and, you know, now the knowledge is out there and you're, if you still are going to make this decision to walk into it with open arms, then you might have to deal with the repercussions. And I don't know if you can hold the NFL, you know, responsible for that. You know, that this football is a violent sport. It is this. And now we also know that it also could damage you mentally. If you still walk into it and play it, you know, the NFL still should take steps to protect you as much as they can, but the sport itself is violent. It's physical. It's high intensity. And especially with, you know, bigger, faster, stronger guys coming up nowadays, like things are only going to become more violent because our, our capacity as, you know, f- our, our physical strength and speed, uh, you know, evolves, um, as humans and with like training and nutrition becoming more of a part, you, you might see a certain limit on how strong and how fast humans can get, but you might see the pool in which players can reach that ceiling be more vast. And so like one of the biggest things between like college sports and professional sports, especially in NFL is college sports. You get, a couple guys on each college team that are like incredible athletes. You get in the NFL, every guy is an incredible athlete. So every guy pretty much has the the capability to rip your head off when they tackle you. (laughs) You know, every guy you see, you see 250 pound defensive linemen running down 180 pound running backs. Like how the hell are these guys this fast and this strong? And, and so they're, I think the accountability on the league is to do their part to set the players up for success and give the education that's needed to allow the players to make an educated, informed decision. But then I do think that the accountability then comes on the players to take in that education, understand its value, and make the right decision for what they think their life is. I think you're going to see a lot less lawsuits like this one come through in the future because now the word is out. Yeah. And, and I agree. And when, and when it comes to there really being a change in the NFL, like part of this responsibility is on 
the players that are just signing these contracts and just dealing with the consequences. Like if they really want there to be changes because they think that the sport should be less violent or something, then they would have to actually speak up and say, Hey, I'm not, I'm not signing these contracts. And I don't really see that happening. Like, I feel like the, that's probably not, but maybe if a couple of players here and there speak their mind on something that should be changed, I think the NFL is going to have to be very reactive towards that and continue to implement new um, new parts of the game to protect these players if the players are actually going to voice that type of thing. And then I do think there's a responsibility in the future for players, especially because we know that the youth is being impacted by yeah. the how the NFL is run, but I think it's it really is an obligation of these players to not just um, – or to, I guess to, to stand up for themselves instead of just letting it go kind of connecting it back to our previous episode there yeah. <laughs> there does need to be a little bit of not just allowing this to continuously be a problem and there should be continuous uh, looks discussion. at people's brains and discussions and with doctors and whatever it takes to to push this sport in a in a direction that that works and that it's still a good product and people are healthy and if it just doesn't work then maybe in 100 years from now there just is no sport of football played in the United States. Yeah. Well, one thing that you brought up that I want to mention really quick is, is the impact on the youth. And I think that that actually is where it's most important Mm -hmm. because, you know, it's one thing to talk about the NFL where you have these, um, quote unquote adults making the decision to play this game professionally if they're given that opportunity. But you're talking about kids who are only, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old playing a game that you have a chance of being paralyzed for the rest of your life. Like, it's one thing to be 25 and and take that risk because now you're an adult and you can make the decision on what you want to do for your career. But to be a kid who doesn't know much and to take that risk, that's another thing. And that's why I think the education isn't just for the players. It's for parents of kids who are trying to make the decision like you and I talked about of, do I let my kid play this violent sport? Because now I know what repercussions could go, could happen. I mean, can you imagine being a parent and, and allowing your kid to play football and then they're, they get hit and are paralyzed the rest of their life, the guilt and the shame that you might feel in that situation. I'm not even, I'm not even risking that because that's just so terrifying. Yeah, and that's that's where the education portion and the discussion and the research and all that stuff becomes so important so that everybody that's involved with this violent game understands what they're walking into and can make a better decision for the future of whoever they are raising or responsible for. Exactly. Yeah, so I mean that's that's pretty much it for the discussion that I yeah. Any uh, for us any final stuff. thoughts? Um, the the only final thought I I'd say with this is because some people get a little fired up about this topic. Uh, you know, there the NFL has a very passionate fan base, and so if you're a listener who feels a certain way about this stuff, you're obviously allowed to make your own decision. What I think the important point is again, your decision shouldn't be to be okay with 
us not having the knowledge so that people don't get worried about it. Like we should, everybody should have the opportunity to understand what they're walking into so that everyone can make their own decision. Even if your, um, your sacred game of football gets impacted by it, it's, it's the opportunity for everyone to make a calculated decision about a sport that could have very negative repercussions, both uh, physically and mentally. Yeah, and I think my my final thoughts on this is it's pretty obvious at this point that the NFL is going to continuously adapt as more and more information comes out about how head trauma is so significantly impactful on not just uh, i mean it, it's it's so significantly impactful on just the brain and that can affect the decisions that people make and that playing in the nfl doesn't just mean that when you turn 40 or 50 years old that it's going to hurt to stand up it means that it actually might affect the decisions that you make with your life and that to me is absolutely terrifying and that we should continue to do research into this. And as I had stated, that the NFL is going to need to adapt more and more procedures to assure that this does not get any worse than it is up to this point. At the same time, it is the responsibility of the football player who did sign up for this to recognize that these are the consequences and potential consequences of playing in the NFL. And... It's a it's a conversation of quality and quantity of life, and that's one that no one can tell you how to make that decision. It's just something that you have to decide on, and I'm pretty much in agreement with Brandon on in the future. I think that the NBA is going to overtake the NFL. As much as I would love MLB to be the number one sport because it is my favorite Um I mean, I love the NBA, too, and if the NBA is going to be number one, let's just hope that uh, the Cavs are better than just Kevin Love at a bunch of scrubs because that's what uh, I worry about. <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to say is we're obviously speaking kind of more specifically about American sports. Like soccer is probably our actual football um, yeah. over in different countries is the most popular. I'm, I actually pulled up a list right here. Uh, Forbes released a 2018 list of the most valuable sports teams. The number one team is the Dallas Cowboys, which is obvious, which is NFL. I was going to say obviously NFL, but not maybe not everybody knows that. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next three teams are soccer. It's Manchester United, Real Madrid, Barcelona, and then you actually have the New York Yankees. Yeah. Uh, Doesn't surprise me to see them up there. New England Patriots, which is NFL. Then you have the New York Knicks, which is NBA. Los Angeles Lakers, which is NBA. Whoa, whoa, whoa. New York Knicks are the highest NBA team, even above the Lakers? Yep. Yeah, get out of here. BS. That's what Forbes says, <laughs> I don't says. believe yeah. this list. <laughs> um, and the, uh, let's see here. The New York Yankees actually took a dip. In 2017, the New York Yankees were the number two most highly grossing team. Um, and then under the Lakers, actually the Lakers are tied with the New York giants. And then under them is the golden state warriors and they're tied with the Washington Redskins. Whoa. The Washington Redskins are up there. That's so surprising. The Redskins had a huge, um, issue because 
of their name. A lot of right. people wanted them to change the name of of their mascot, being the Redskins. Well, same thing with was... Cleveland Indians. Oh, really? People wanted yeah. them to change. Oh, yeah. Too? Cleveland, well, the Cleveland Indians, we actually had to um, we had to change the the Your logo. Chant. Oh, the, the logo. logo. The actual logo is changing where we will not have the Chief Wahoo on the uniforms at all. I think it's either starting in 2019 or 2020. Or okay. he will not be president at all in our uniforms, which is yeah. pretty crazy because that was such a significant part of the uniforms. I, I kind of like that list, though. I kind of I kind of think we should – just because I'm such a list and numbers person, yeah. I think we should incorporate more of these, uh, more of these facts because uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, well, one thing I wanted to say too, just I know we're like keep talking about this stuff. <laughs> the people that'll argue like, "Oh, come on, it's it's been the name of the team forever. It's just sports. Like sports is such a huge industry and has so much influence. So, if you're going to look at anything to like try to try to not be offensive and to be all-encompassing. I feel like sports should be at the top of the list because it's such a huge part of society. I agree with that. One of Just because on this topic, one of the arguments for the Cleveland – okay, I'll say this. I don't care if the Cleveland Indians change their team name to the Cleveland anything. Like It, does, it doesn't matter what we change the name to, and I don't think the name is going to change. I think it's just going to be the logo. But even if the whole name changes, I'm fine with that. But one of the things I find funny is kind of what you said about, oh, yeah, you know, it's just sports, whatever, doesn't matter. But it, what's funny about that is when people say about the Cleveland Indians, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's just sports, but you know who's offended by the Cleveland Indians? The actual people who were calling the Indians, the Native Americans. And if they have a problem with it, like this is their culture, I yeah. think we should change it. <laughs> like I don't care if – I don't care that a uh, random white Clevelander who's liked the Indians since the 50s, I don't care that he's like, no, keep keep the team name. I don't get it. Well, you know who doesn't like it? The actual people that were, uh, right. that were, <laughs> were imitating here. So if they don't like it, I, I guarantee we weren't like, so, uh, so Native Americans. Well, first off, we didn't call them Native Americans. We called them Indians, which is just inaccurate altogether, which is pretty funny that we would even do that because that's messed up. And then we're just like, yep. We're, uh, we're, we're going to have red faces, and this is our mascot. And they're like, okay, we're not okay with this. Yeah, but it's fine, though. It's fine. It's it's tradition. That's how it's always been. So no, no, we're, we're, be- uh, we're honoring you. We're honoring you. It's fine. Well, I don't know. <laughs> and the thing is, is I don't know the whole story. I've heard that because one of the previous M- uh, Indians players was a Native American, that he was cool with this. But all in all, I don't really care. I think this just gets blown out of proportion. If we got to change the name, change the damn team name. Not that big of a deal. <laughs> Right. That's all I gotta say about that. Not really, re- like even relevant to this topic. But uh, anything <laughs> else you want to say? <laughs> no, I think I think we're good. I think uh, we got all the points that we needed to, and some other points too. <laughs> cool, got some points in there that were not intended to be in here. But we do want to thank you for listening to this episode. You notice that now we have these new trending topics where we find a um, a news article or just you know something that's going on in the world that people are talking about and try to weigh in on it. Uh, with our opinions or just kind of displaying multiple perspectives on the situation. These episodes will come out once a week, as well as the, our normal content that you will listen to. Um, if you do want to follow us, we've got a lot of different ways to do so. You can find us on basically any of your podcast apps. You can also find us on Instagram. Our handle is EMG pod. You can also find us, um, 
on our website, everythingmustgopodcast.com, where you can find all of our episodes there. You can also find our video podcast episodes on my YouTube channel, Butch Boss. And if you want to ever email us or leave us a voicemail, those are options. Our email is emgpod at gmail.com. And our voicemail is 513-427-EMG5. Feel free to leave us a voicemail and we can feature that on one of our next episodes, whether it's a comment or a question or a, hey guys, what you said in that episode is totally not accurate because there's probably a couple things that slid under the, under the radar in a couple of these episodes where we weren't quite right on our stats, but you know, we're getting better on it every day. And that's, uh, that's what we do here because everything must go. I think that connected. (laughs) 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 I think that connected. Uh, Anyways, thank you for listening to this episode, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon.